Welcome to the Strength Empire podcast, where we will cover all things strength sports, whether it's powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman, or the Highland Games. Before we begin, please make sure to follow us on social media, at Strength Empire Podcast and at Strength Empire Gym. Also, if you'd like more information from us, you can find it at strengthempiregym.com, as well as checking out the Strength Empire TV YouTube page for footage on training, throwing, nutrition, and meal prep, and technique breakdown, etc. The last thing I'd like to ask you to do is to make sure you leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform when you finish this episode, and if you could share it with your friends, that'd be awesome as well. So please enjoy episode three of season one of Crossover Strength Athletes with Coach Travis Mash. Welcome, Travis. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know them, I'm on with Coach Travis Mash. Uh, he's actually, I want to say local. I mean, you're close enough here in North Carolina, but Travis, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks, man, for having me on. So you, uh, you're doing some cool things. Coach Ken and I were just talking about you, so uh, I'm excited. Oh, that's cool to hear. I've, I haven't got a hold of Coach in a while, so um, that's a little bit of, a, I guess, how we're connected. Or, I, I mean, really, I might have started following you. Actually, I know I did. I started following you well before I actually knew, even I'd say even knew of Coach Ken, um, honestly, which is, which is, I feel kind of bad to say that, but um, I kind of actually met Coach in person uh, at the Greenville Highland Games one year, is when my first time I met him in person, actually. Oh, and, wow, uh, yeah. But, I mean, I had known of you from my powerlifting heydays. Uh, I guess I'm going to call them heydays because it's been long enough since I've been in that. But um, <laughs> enough about me. Coach, I want to ask you kind of like your journey in strength sports. So where did you get your start in strength sports and how did you get into that? Well, I started when I was 11. Um, I, was watching, I was watching The Incredible Hulk and uh, on TV used to come on every Friday night. And, and then uh, I just didn't even realize that was a human actually that I was why I thought it was I don't know what I thought as a kid. <laughs> and then somebody's like, yeah, that's, that's Lou Frigno. I'm like, what do you mean that's Lou Frigno? And then my uncle went on to explain as a, it's a, it's a bodybuilder who's the character. And I'm like, wait, so you can actually lift weights and, and look like that. And he was like, yeah, you go to the gym, you work out hard, makes your muscles bigger, you get stronger. I'm like, sign me up. You know, it's like, I think a lot of us like look at people like, you know, Arnold, they just look like comic book characters and every boy wants to be a superhero. So I um, literally, I think at the time, actually, I was 10 and the local gym would not let me start. Really, they didn't want me to start until I was 12, but they let me start when I was 11 and I started sweeping the floors at this gym in the, the middle of nowhere in North Carolina and just for a membership and started training. And then when I was 12, I actually did my first competition uh, it was a spur of the moment. Just, I was like, I was at football camp at Appalachian State, and at this point, I was 12, and um, my coach, Dwight Kerr, knew the coach from Otaga High School. and They had played football at Appalachian together, and on a random, he, uh, the coach from Otaga comes by and says, hey, uh, it's Coach Roten. Uh, it's Jack Roten. Is it, yeah, it's Jack. It was Jack Roten. Anyway, he's like, hey, we're going to do this powerlifting competition today. Does any of your guys want to jump in it? And then uh, I was there. I was like, I'll do it, you know. And uh, so I did that, and I won right out the, you know, right out of the gate. And so I'm like, oh, this is fun. And so that was uh, the beginning of my competing. But, you know, I've loved training my whole life. And then uh, I played football at Appalachian. And then from there I went to Colorado Springs. Because when I was done with football, I knew I was not – obviously was not playing the NFL. I wasn't even close. So, but I was strong, and um, my coach – it was Coach uh, Mike Kent. He's like, hey, man, you know, um, you might consider Olympic weightlifting. So I looked it up, and at the time, there was, you know, now 
you can do Olympic weightlifting anywhere in the world. But back mm-hmm. then, there was only a few coaches and a few facilities that had bumper plates. And so uh, I chose to go to Colorado Springs and train with um, Wes Barnett. And so I drove there on a whim. And on the very day I got there, I walked in the gym. Um, he happened to be coaching. I went straight back to him. I'm like, look, man, I just drove over a thousand miles. I was like, you got to train me. And he's like, he's like, chill out. He's like, I'll do it. You know, I'll coach you. And so, um, started doing weightlifting and, um, within a, about a year, uh, it was, uh, Dragomir invited me to go to Olympic training center to train with those dudes and start training there. Um, where, where this is cool. I met, um, I'm the dudes at T nation. Um, it was a uh, Mike, the guy who invented, um, was it? Oh my gosh! I'm told. Oh, active release technique. Um, what's his name? Yeah. I, if you would have asked me any other time, oh my! I gosh. literally just got out of my. I'm just. I'm going back to school right now to get my PhD, <laughs> and I literally just took my first test in 25 years. So my brain is dead. But oh man, um, I got. Charles I got you. Was there. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, it was uh, Leahy. I guess you pronounce it. Yes. Lee. Dr. Leahy. Dr. Leahy. Yes. And uh, so every day, here's a cool thing that was called Champion L. So in that one place, there was Dr. Leahy, the inventor of active release technique, right. arguably the most popular chiropractor in the world. There was Charles Pullikins downstairs, and also upstairs was uh, T. Nason. It was at the time it was Testosterone Magazine. Uh, Tim Patterson is <laughs> yeah, yeah before it changed to, to T. Nason. I guess they thought testosterone was too too hardcore, but um, so every day I would go there after I would you know train and like hang out with Charles Pulligan, Tim Patterson, Dr. Leahy. So I started learning like so much applicable um, information. And uh, then from there, uh, my dad got sick. So like around 1999, I moved home. Um, my dad was diagnosed with uh, terminal lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Moved home because um, I want to be near him, which I don't regret. But like I said, there wasn't, you know, there was not um, – weightlifting everywhere so i started powerlifting um which is probably looking back was definitely a better fit for me uh i, I won the all i mean in 2004 i broke the all-time world record the total 2408 and then um again in 2005 i totaled 2414 and there you have it that's pretty much you know as far as my training goes and after that in, in there i did some bobsledding I've done more weightlifting. I've done some super total, so a little bit of everything. Oh, I even did a strongman once, so oh, yeah? I like that too. There yeah. you go. So, and that's I'm very similar to that myself. And that's kind of I'm going to do this podcast in a seasonal format. I kind of mentioned that in the first message I originally sent you, and that this first season is everyone I'm having on is a crossover strength athlete, somebody that's excelled in multiple disciplines in some way, shape, or form. Partly because it's selfish. It's my podcast and I want to kind of do that and talk to those people first. Um, And I also – I have this infatuation with a strength athlete that is – and I I like the term athlete there and that they can cross over to multiple disciplines. A couple quick questions kind of delving into your background before we dive into training a little bit. Uh, So you jumped into – what were your best weightlifting numbers before moving to powerlifting, if you can remember those? Well, yeah, yeah, one forty-five yeah. on the snatch and one ninety on the pinion jerk. So okay. I've done a like a three nineteen snatch mm-hmm. and a, a four eighteen pound pinion jerk. Clean jerk. That's very solid. So it's not like you weren't like uh you know a three hundred kilo total type guy, but you were you were very high level before moving 
back to or moving i guess it'd be back to powerlifting since you started there um, yeah i was all right you know like i'm not letting that coach shoot my 16 year old you know morgan <laughs> to beat me but um you know, things have changed but i was i was good i just i don't have um the movement you know I like i'm obviously my ancestors are from like you know scotland ireland it's like i'm from the mountains so everyone is scotch irish mm-hmm. pretty much and so we have deep hip sockets uh, therefore you know, I can squat low, but like I can't get as low as like some of my athletes, and right. you know, I can't move into those positions like they do. So that would always be a limiting factor. So where would that have compared nationally to where you're at now? I don't even know what weight class you were at at that point. Um, how like kind of as a as a did you compete nationally at all? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, it was funny. I was hanging out with. Um, it was one day I was hanging out with Sean uh, Waxman, and uh, uh, what's his I'm totally blanked out. Um, <laughs> dude, the guy from Las Vegas, he's not uh, bald, like all about squatting every day. Yeah, whatever. So anyway, we were there. I'm just so brain dead right now. We yeah. were hanging out and we were looking at a competition that we were all at. And uh, oh, John Bro, sorry. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, and I beat both of them. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty good, you know. Yeah. But you know, I wasn't. I don't think I was going to go to the Olympics. I'm just being. You know, I'm not going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. That, that would say, you know, if I would have, like, you know, but that was, it was definitely not bad. I'm not, when it comes to strength, I'm not ever going to do something I'm, I'm like bad at. Like I'm, it's something I'm naturally good at, mm-hmm. but obviously powerlifting just happens to be something I'm a little bit better at than the others. Right. And now, so tell, talk to me a little bit about bobsledding. What, how was the training like from there and how did you transition into that? You know, a lot of people, I think get like, you know, you start doing just powerlifting and you get you get that desire to want to feel like an athlete again. You want to train. I love the training for football. I think a lot of people who get into strength and conditioning, they fall in love with the process. You know, you fall in love with sprinting and working hard and, you know, getting faster and jumping higher. So bobsled kind of filled that void. And I dug it and look back. That would, that might be my one regret in all my athletic career is like maybe focus on that a little bit more, but you know, I'm pretty happy with with the way things turned out, but I did dig that. I like going fast, and at the time I was really crazy and wild, so it fit my personality. <laughs> uh, I, I think every strength athlete has to have a, a period of time where they go through a little crazy and wild. And and people don't know a lot about the sport of bobsled, but a lot of like let's I'm not want to call them washed up, but let's just say collegiate football players, especially like running backs and stuff like that that don't make the the league might turn to something like bobsled because it is such an explosive strength and power sport. Um, sprinters do really well, but then you got to have some beef to you to push the dang sled. Yeah, you know people who are naturally fast and naturally strong, you know they're going to excel in. Um, bobsled yeah so now I, I was you know i was definitely fast you know i wasn't the fastest on our team but i was you know i'm always going to be fast but so it was like a perfect fit um i enjoyed that getting back into the speed i actually learned a lot so like, when i started doing bobsled i worked with william bradley who is a anyone who doesn't know him that's in this area they're crazy because he is definitely the best speed guy around yeah i um even my own student conditioning athletes, we will I will send them to him just to make sure that he fine tunes their ability to sprint. But he was my coach, so I learned a lot from him, and we're still, you know, friends. We're actually even considering like teaming up and forming like a, you know, like a unbelievable system. But we'll see how <laughs> that, if we both can make the time for that. But so uh, yeah, I, I love that. 
Related Love to Bob to Bobsled, yeah. what what position did you play in football at App? Uh, I played strong safety is where I ended up. Um, okay. I played where, wherever they wanted to put me, basically. So, okay. Like, um, but I, I dug up lots, and we had, you know, we had a great team. Uh, they've gone on to be a lot better than we were, but, you know, we were pretty good, too. So, uh, and that's the thing is, like, people may not know about. How tall are you, Travis? I'm a midget. I'm 5'7", <laughs> yeah. so that, that – that was never to my advantage. It explains football. why you were not an offensive lineman. And, no. and it also, I mean, your leverages make you very well suited for powerlifting and probably not the best at strongman. I mean, you, your strength obviously was your great, it was your strength there. Ha, as funny as that sounds, but um, now, now I, I want to delve into what your training looked like around your powerlifting career, because you were a geared okay. powerlifter, which is, it's kind of like, you can't talk about geared powerlifting today. Uh, but right. I don't like it very much because it's not raw and it's not real. It's fake. But right. um, how long was your career in geared powerlifting and, and kind of like what was training like? What was the training environment like, you know, day in, day out? And, and what are some of the meets you did? And obviously you already mentioned your totals, which are awesome, awesome totals. Uh, at, and I think you were what, 220, I believe, or were those yeah. at 198? No, I've done, you know, when I first started back, I, I did some 198. I actually competed. I started out back then. The IPF was with the USPF, so like I did, I did some powerlifting meets. You know, USPF. I've even done USA powerlifting, so I've done USA powerlifting single ply. There wasn't raw back then. I wish if there had been raw, I would have won much bigger. Like that was much better raw. So, but I did USA powerlifting, USPF, and then um, the WPO just started, which is what was intriguing, man, because you know they they. They were talking – I mean, they were paying big money, and they were talking about even bigger money. Their goal was to get it to where we were professional athletes, and so that totally sold a lot of us because it, it draw – for the first time, it pulled us all together. I mean, you know, Ed Cohn was there, like uh, Brian Siders from the USAPL. Mm -hmm. He was there. It brought Wade Hooper from the USAPL, and he, and he was a USPF, USAPL guy. He, he came. So it brought the best of the best from all over, and it was fun. It was – the first time it was 2001 at, in Orlando at uh, Universal Studios, and we were all there. It was my first really big meet with you know with all the stars. And it was just crazy looking around and seeing Louis Simmons, Chuck Vogelpool, Ed Cohn, you know uh, Steve Goggins. It was it was just filled with stars that I'd been reading about. So it was it was a good time, and they made it squat low. So it was it was multiply, but it was controlled. So you had you could either wear a single ply brief with a two-ply um, suit or a two-ply brief with a single-ply suit. And, you know, um, you know, ever, they made us go low. So, you know, nowadays, they, you know, they use so much equipment, and you can't get low. And then they'll be like, well, it's equipment. Well, my point would be then take it off. You know, like uh, right. if you can't go deep, then you're wearing too much. I mean, you know, you, shit, man. You're going to put on, like, you know, body armor? I mean, I don't – so, anyway – it was a it was a good time. If, if multiply were like that, I feel like it would still be fine because, you know, the today's single ply, like you know, the vanilla gorilla, the, the equipment he's wearing is no different than what we're wearing. That stuff is just as good. You and know, him training by himself is unbelievable. That's insane. It's, you know, I love to watch his, his videos. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah, and he's a nut job. But I mean, he. But then if you meet him in person and talk to him, he's like the nicest guy. So it's so like it's so that like split personality of when he's in his zone. Um, yeah. and, and what he does is absolutely phenomenal. And I think you hinted on something that's kind of what hurt geared powerlifting. Kind of when I 
when I started in geared powerlifting was kind of the right after the WPO had finished up and it kind of had stopped there. And then it was, you know, guys just started pushing totals, but then that they were trying to toe the line of what, what they could get away with. And it was, and that's where, you know, the gear kept taking off and it kept being, you know, newer, newer, this and multiply this. And, Oh, you went to a three ply brief under a two ply suit and Oh yeah, your squat depth, you can't get there. Uh, and that's something I personally proud myself in is that I know that I have video of some of my best squats and I'll argue it to my grave that I'm like, these are plenty deep compared to a lot that I saw in the sport. No doubt, man. And, and, And that's something that, you know, do you, do you think, what do you, how do you feel about the WPO kind of coming back now? And do you think that geared powerlifting will have any sort of resurgence? No, I no. don't. You know, I think um, unless they, you know, they haven't done, you know, when they first, you know, started again, you know, they actually talked about, you know, bringing like the old guys back and they talked to, uh, to me about coming back. And my boy was like, you know, if you guys make it to where it's super legit, it would be something interesting. But no, they haven't done that, and you know they're they're using unlimited gear nowadays. And, yeah, you know it's no matter how bad they want it, no matter no matter how much money they put behind it, it does not matter. Like you know, man, it's it's just uh, capitalism. Like the market yeah. will decide. No matter what you think you're worth, and no matter how cool you think your product is, if the market doesn't agree, it's not. And that's just life. And that's what makes capitalism beautiful. You know, <laughs> people are not bought, bought into it, and they're not going to. Unless you make massive changes, I don't know why they don't just come back and do single ply squat low. Um, if they did that and you know get guys like Blaine Sumner, and then it's legit and people would start to to dig it. But you know until they start squatting low and it, it looking something what we know is a squat, it's just not going to happen. But and we even have guys know. like like Vlad Alhazov or however you pronounce his last name who's coming back now. And squatting over eleven in just knee wraps, so that's unbelievable. It's, it's de- yeah. oh, it's it's ridiculous, but it's and you see guys like Blaine, they're diminishing what a, a full multiply squat really is because they're doing they it without them. it. They're doing it without right. And um, but you know, what are the differences? Like, how did you train different raw versus in your gear? And what could somebody take away now? Like, let's say a single ply nifter now, because let's just, for all intents and purposes, you were essentially a single ply athlete. You know, how did you train different and what, what did you do that you could have got more out of the gear or, or did you try to do that? Or, or how did that kind of evolve over the years of your, you learning that sport? I would say looking back, like if I, I could have done more work in the gear. I just, man, I hated that. So there's a part of me, that was like so afraid that someday somebody would be like, you know, take the gear off and let's see how strong you are. And like, I wanted to be ready to be like, all right, I'll take it off. And, like, and I'll beat you worse. You know, like it was like, you know, when I started, you know, I had certain values. Like I just started lifting weights because I wanted to be the biggest, strongest athlete in the world. That was what I was after. And that's what I didn't want to be the strongest technician, you know? Like, mm-hmm. So that scared me to death. But if I'd wanted to maximize the equipment, you know, I was already winning, so I didn't really have to. But if, you know, if I'd wanted to, I could have done, you know, frequency. I would have hired, you know, I only, I only use equipment like once a week. And it was like at the last six weeks is the only time I used it. So I could have easily done, you know, a little higher frequency. I'm sure that I would have gotten better at the equipment. But, you know, I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad that, you know, it was so fun too, man. It's like when I would warm up, like I would do 805 in the back totally raw. 
just that was my way of saying it's gonna be a bad day for you you know like so i would do 805 squat i would hit a 515 bench all raw and then on deadlift i would pull over seven well i didn't even use equipment half the time on deadlift so um it was just my way of saying i am completely stronger than you with or without equipment i just wanted people to know that but yeah so if somebody today came to you and asked for advice is that be what you would tell them to do is train a little bit more frequent in the gear if that's what they wanted to do, if, mm-hmm. you know, if geared powerlifting was their thing, then yeah, higher frequency. It's just like anything else. You know, there's only a couple ways to get strong. And then, you know, either hypertrophy, make your muscle bigger or two, make it more efficient at whatever you're doing. So if you're doing geared um, powerlifting, you need to be in your gear and get, you know, more efficient at the move. It's a little different because when you put the squat suit on, it's a little different than, you know, lifting without the squat suit. So mm-hmm. you need to practice and you need to know that feel you need to know how to push into the suit there's all kinds of things that you can learn you know with the suit but yeah you if that's your goal you yeah. know but it depends on what your goal is do do you think that and this is kind of an interesting topic that i've kind of bounced around with a couple people lately do you feel like there would be any advantage gained for a raw lifter doing some work in maybe a single ply brief from time to time, such as like people using a slingshot for an overload. Do you think that it equates the same from using like some briefs? You know, I've thought about that some. Um, I think that you could uh, use some post-activation potentiation. Actually, I learned this week that really, if you're, you know, if you're getting to the physiologist realm, it's now considered post-activation performance enhancement. So okay. I have to tell you, but that's a whole nother story, <laughs> but, um, there might be, you know, some, something you could do as far as, you know, work up heavy with a brief, take the brief off and then go raw. Now I would say this, this is a good case and some pretty good science to say that would work. Here's the problem with that is that it's just not very convenient because putting, it takes a long time to put them on. It's mm-hmm. a long time to get them off. And so, you know, when you do something like that, you only have, you know, potentiation only lasts for so long. Right. <laughs> By the time you take them off, like you wouldn't have a whole lot left and you'd be fatigued even more taking them on and off. So I don't know. You know, I've heard people say that using the equipment, they've, they feel like that's, you know, gotten them strong, but you know, I would say you're better off to do it. And number one, it's just harder on the body, you know, so I wouldn't do a lot right. of it. You know, if you're going to do gear powerlifting, do gear powerlifting because you know, you're taking that risk you're just putting extra weight on the joints. But I can't see that the risk would outweigh the reward. Now, I do like using the slingshot mm-hmm. and, and taking the slingshot off, and we've gotten some really good results. But you can also use bands like we'll work up. We'll work up raw and bench, for example. Say you work up to 85 or 88%, and then you put bands on, and then you work on up to a 3RM or a 1RM or whatever, take them off, and then work up to a 3 or a 1RM raw. And so almost – Almost every time we hit PRs or we come, you know, or we're hitting really close <coughs> to right. our PRs. It's a, it's a cool trick to try. Like, you know, my athletes, my powerlifters, they want to take the bands with them to the competition, which I'm actually <laughs> considering. Right. Because it's a, it's a pretty cool effect. Yeah. That's something I've actually, co- and, it, and it's interesting to, that you mentioned taking it to competition. It's something I stress with the guys I coach. Uh, and that is when we get those last like month out from a meet, like they might do other stuff around the gym 
for their warmups for like a bench or something like that. They may be doing some lap pull downs and some dumbbell, this, that, and the other. In my last four weeks, I always tell them, Hey, you get to warm up now exactly how you will with the meat because you've got to get used to how you're going to feel or what you're going to do. So bringing some yeah. bands, that'd be something simple that you can bring with you. Um, I know yeah. when I was shirted benching, we used to bring boards with us to warm up in the back with boards. Um, oh yeah. So do we have to something simple like that. Now I am, I'm the, I'm the science nerd, the science nut. I want to hear a little bit, and I've, I know you've used this for a long time. I've read, read some of your articles talking about post-activation potentiation. I, right. I'm going to let you go ahead and delve into that if you're willing to about kind of what you were talking about. And I know you just posted something up earlier this week or yesterday about that a little bit more. Um, can you kind of well, enlighten me a little bit? You know, like the dumbed-down version is that the con- contractile history of a muscle will affect the subsequent muscle, muscular contractions. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, therefore, like, if you do, say, a um, – say you do a heavy walkout in a squat with, you know, 110% of what you're capable of, and then you take that off and you go to, a, like, 101%, and you're just hitting a small PR. Well, odds are is that your body is recruiting the fibers and that the neuromuscular system supposedly – is more efficient. Um, the rate of force development is better because it's, it's prepared for that one ten percent. That's what it's remembering. Right. So um, yeah, we we've used it lately um, really well. So for example, we used it where we do in, in snatch. Like we're a lot of my athletes are about to compete. Some of them are like three weeks out from two or three weeks out from junior nationals. Some of them are like seven and a half, I think, weeks out from junior worlds. And so it's it's go time for a lot of them. So we did like a heavy pull to a regular snatch, heavy pull, regular snatch. And the first guy who tried it was uh, Matt Weiniger, who's been with me a decade. Yep. And he set a lifetime PR day one, yeah, a three kilo. So like you can fool rookies, but you cannot fool guys who have been doing it for a decade. Like, <laughs> you know, they don't you – know, you, you put something on James Tatum, like it either works or it doesn't. Like you're, he's not going to get a placebo effect and do something that, you know, so – yeah. There's something to it. And then, check this out, uh, we did it with jerks. And for the first time in my career as a coach, the entire team set a PR. Even my online, I had uh, my, my Danish girls, and they set jerk PRs. So what we did there is you, you work up, you do some volume, just regular, like you normally would. Mm-hmm. Let's pretend it's uh, 75% for a couple doubles, 80% for a couple for maybe one double, 85% for two singles. And then we started doing heavy jerk dip squats. With a jerk, okay. Heavy jerk dip squats with a jerk, and worked up to almost the entire team at PR. So, you know, there's your nugget for the day. There you go. How much, uh, how much overload are you going on that? Is it like you know 110 percent? Are you really trying to push as heavy as the athlete could tolerate? Yeah, no, the, like 10 percent I yeah. think is enough because I'm. So at first we were using 20 percent above on the snatch pulls. And it was yeah. creating too much fatigue, especially for the guys who aren't as strong you know mm-hmm. so like if you're a super efficient lifter like um some people know tom suma who whatever he can squat he can you know whatever he can front squat he can clean jerk right matter of fact the first time he cleaned jerk 165 he hadn't even front squatted it yet so <laughs> he's super efficient so if you did it with him you would probably create too much fatigue all um, right so so i wouldn't recommend that but um you know, for like guy like Morgan, it worked like a charm. Or, you know, even Matt and, and Ryan, you know, Ryan Grimson, who's, you know, he's uh now one of the top juniors in the country. He just just um, finished up his youth career, but you know, he's 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 really strong. So it worked really well for him. So consider that and like keep data. Like here's the oh, one yeah. nugget you can take is like whoever, whatever you're doing, keep 
individual data on your athletes. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it, and it makes sense too, that it's for like myself, I can relate it to myself. I am stronger than my technical proficiency allows. So I might be able to get away with a little bit you heavier would. than yeah. somebody who is more technically proficient. And that's just because right. my shitty mobility and, and, you know, my technique holds me back in my Olympic weightlifting movements versus my strength is there plenty. Um, and that's one. I've had a conversation with Sean Rigsby a little bit about just, it's like, can we just make weightlifters stronger? And then it fits, it, it, it'll bring up a lot of things. Like some people aren't just, it's like, they just need to get stronger and it should help bring things up because they're plenty technical proficient. Uh, I, I totally agree. <laughs> I, I think a lot of, a lot of coaches you know, miss the boat. You just got to know who your athlete is. Like, you know, if they're like, we have, um, Isaac, who's from New Zealand, like we've increased, he's only been there for a few months and his squat's gone up 10 kilos. Now his, guess what? His snatch is, is PR, yeah. his clean jerk is PR. Like everything follows suit. Same thing with Tom Suma. Like we, you know, we stopped focusing on snatch and clean jerk so much. And guess what? It his snatch good. went up, his clean jerk went up. So it's yeah, just, you just got to know your people. Uh, didn't you have, uh, what was his name? Evan uh, on Instagram. I just, it's Girth Brooks. You can't forget oh, yeah. Didn't, yeah. didn't he, I loved when he put out, was like, make strength athletes strong again. Right. Um, you know, and, and that idea, that ideology of, of just getting stronger can sometimes help and fix a lot of the issues you may have. Uh, it's the opposite of what I have. I just got to get better at the lifts. Um, and, and then another little quick plug of something that maybe you look into that I've got it, but I haven't used it enough to kind of have a, a, a great, great opinion on it. But uh, have you heard of the Spud Inc. Squat Buddy at all? No, I wish I was getting paid for Spud to let me talk about this right now. But uh, they have it's essentially a slingshot that you wear on your lower body. It's it's not a brief, but it just you pull it up and it sits kind of right below your butt cheeks on your legs, gives you a little uh, compression yeah. on the hips, and it 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 kind of works like a slingshot. It gives you that little bit of a stretch rebound. Um, and now that we've talked about it, I'm like I'm gonna pull that thing back out and start using it again. I've only used it a few times since I got one a year ago. I got it. I picked it up at the Arnold. And then he also came out with a brief wow. that is elastic. It's like uh, not elastic, but it's it's stretchy like a slingshot. It's not uh, polyester. It's or or denim, whatever you want to call your briefs. It doesn't. It, it actually stretches. They're not. They call them the gateway brief. Uh, I think that's a pretty funny name to it. But, gateway. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those are things that might kind of relate to this a little bit more that that might take some more insight. If anybody that listens to this kind of is thinking about it, Hey, there you go. Yeah. I'm um, definitely going to get some, as soon as we get off, cause you know, he's my, we, we did the WPO together. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we get off, I'm going to get both of those. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's and, a great uh, idea. I've got a friend that has the gateway briefs and really likes them. And he's, he's used them lately. And I was like, man, maybe I need to get some and try them. But, um, you know, let's, let's ask, let me ask you this. Cause I've followed you for so long. What is, what are your personal lifting goals and what, what does your training look like now at this point? Obviously I know you have a lot else going on right now. We'll talk about that in a minute, but what is, what is training and lifting look like for Travis right now? Yeah, honestly, right now it's like in survival mode because we started um, a university program at Lenore Ryan. So right now I'm working for them, recruiting athletes, which is going really well um, and fundraising. Cause luckily it's not an NCAA sport. So the school has set aside, money I can a lot for scholarships, but I want to get my own so I can give more scholarships. Anyway, so, so I'm doing that. I'm going back to school, like I said, working towards a PhD, um, and nothing else changed. So I still have my online business. I still have my athletes. And so all it did was add 
lots of extra, you know, work, but that's okay because, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, it's coming a time where it's going to get easier, but for the next few months, I'm, I'm in survival mode. So we bought a, you know, we bought a, uh, not the we bought a, not a Peloton. We bought an, it's called an Echelon. It's, it's like a Peloton, and mm-hmm. you know, there's like you know you can join in live on a class, but it's a bike. And so I've been riding a bike, and I've been doing. I have been lifting, but it's you know I've been at least squatting once a week and trying to bench once a week, and just surviving to get through this time. But I have aspirations of wanting to compete again. I just need to. Uh, I got We're working on either selling or partnering with somebody in our gym. Because it's, it takes up a lot of my time, and uh, we're just trying to take the things that are weighing me down in time, and like either get give them to someone else or completely get rid of them. And we've made some big jumps in the last few weeks to do that. So, um, I I definitely want to compete when I get to Lenore Ryan, but probably just powerlifting right. or super total. I wanted to go to your super total. I was starting to get back in shape, <laughs> and, and then I had this great idea of this Lenore Ryan thing. But I'm I mean. I'm pumped about that because that's oh, like my legacy. You know, it's so. a lot bigger. We'll have more super totals, so that it'll be there. Um, yeah. And, and I, the, so let's go ahead. You kind of already jumped right into it. So how many university programs are there in the United States right now? Do you know? You know, the, I can tell you the good ones. You know, like there's Northern Michigan, which uh, I actually interviewed for that job, and I got that job, but um, decided to – man, it was a really good offer too. I, I turned it down, and then it countered. They want they they really wanted me and I really I like the school you know and I love the the kids up there are awesome right um and I like Lake Superior it's beautiful but it's cold so my wife was like eh, so, <laughs> yeah yeah so she was not having so you know and Lenore Ryan I like I really love the culture there and I like the fact that I get to start my my own program from the ground up right. so I don't have to worry about what anyone else has done in the past and um. And, you know, it's, it's just here. My mom's here. My, you know, my in-laws are here. So it just worked out better. Mm-hmm. So, but there's Northern Michigan. There is, um, uh, Lindenwood. There's LSU Shreveport. There is ETSU, which we visited this weekend. Um, one of my guys had a power to meet. And, uh, I think there's a few others, but like, um, they're up and coming. There, there's one in Georgia. I just don't remember the name of the school. Mm-hmm. But it's it's pretty good, and uh, and there's one in in Indianapolis, I believe, and it's pretty good. Okay, but it's I mean so they're up and coming. But my goal is to have legit, you know, full scholarships, which we're we're starting a campaign fund. Like literally later today, we're dropping something cool, and uh, hopefully working towards giving. You know, my goal, my ultimate goal, would be in August. We give five boys and five girls full scholarships, but that's phenomenal. We'll just have to see how it goes. So I love it. Um, that's phenomenal, and it's really cool to see an actual weightlifting. Because I mean, yes, you have collegiate powerlifting teams, but it's club related, and it's yeah. not it's not scholarship at all. It's really cool to see weightlifting. It's it's been slow, but over the past five ten years, it's slowly growing in the collegiate setting and being a, a legitimate option if if you explore it. And it's really awesome to see you taking hold and, and building a program there. Uh, it's a, it's the closest we've got. I mean, ETSU was our closest, but from a North Carolina standpoint, just seeing that grow is, is I love it. I, I'm such a fan of it uh, to give, to give different kids options, you know, to with, you know, kids like Morgan who, you know, he's probably not been playing multi, multi sports. So he doesn't have an athletic scholarship option because he's so good at weightlifting. You know? Right. 
Yeah, I know. I'm hoping that it'll be even more. There's even there's a there's a there's a guy I'm recruiting who is uh, believe it or not, he uh, he had a full ride to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Who I think I've talked into turning that down and coming to to uh, Lenore Ryan and like playing football because he loves weightlifting. Deep right. down, he likes he likes lifting more than he likes football, but he'll be able to do both his sports. But if I get this kid. He will be a whole new breed of athlete we haven't seen in weightlifting yet. So I'm uh, I'm crossing my fingers, and I he's extraordinary. I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, it's, but it, we'll see. It sounds very similar. I caught, when I was uh, with Coach Ken, I, I talked about it. Randomly, we'd talk about you know who's the best lifter on the team and stuff like that at the time. And he always said he goes if Jonathan Stewart would have possibly like just grown up in weightlifting with his raw athleticism and how he was built. Could have yeah. been an insane weightlifter, just his explosive power and how he's – I mean, he's built like a dang bodybuilder already. It's I a, know, yeah. Dude's a muscle. It's unbelievable. So I'm hoping this kid is going to do you know some extraordinary things, but we'll see. And then there's also the other part of it. Like, uh, luckily, the head of exercise science is is Dr. Alex Cook, who's just, I know Alex who's very well. my friend, too. Um, he's an Appalachian grad. And so we've known each other for a long time, and so we're going to work together – to make the exercise science department a whole lot more than exercise science. Like um, a few weeks ago, I wrote an article about, you know, if you're an exercise science student, you should probably learn how to brand starting as a freshman because Mm -hmm. you could be spending all four of those years, like figuring out, you know, within exercise exercise science, what do you love? So I love the weight room. So write articles about the weight room. And then when you're done, you know, it's not like you're starting from scratch. It's like coaches have heard about you. You have connections, you have a brand, and um, and I want to teach them how to, you know, if let's say you don't want to, say they want to be like you and they want to start their own business, so teach them, you know, the basics of starting your own business, you know, income in and come out, like you know, uh, just get them prepared for whatever it is after, because most exercise science students graduate college and they're like now what, and they just start mm-hmm. doing free internships and just trying to hope that a prayer works out. Next thing you know, they're working in a factory. So my goal is that they come out of there tip-top, ready to face the world, and if they don't want to, they don't have to work for anybody. So that's my goal. I hope that every – I wish that, that that sentence could be sold to every exercise science program in the country because I absolutely – it's like you literally just talked about my entire life there. I got done, and I was like, well, now what or what do I do and right. how do I do this, that, and the other? And I didn't personally – like I have no business, business background. It was you know learn, learn, learn on the fly. And it would yeah. be great to know a lot more of the, the branding, the marketing, the advertising, the the business side of things all ahead of time instead of – and here, here's a plug for uh, CEO Strength Coach, a book by Ron McKeefury. It was a phenomenal resource. I read it in a plane ride. Uh, and it kind of talks a lot about this stuff and, and would be another resource for any exercise science student that wanted to start exploring some of this stuff. He's got like links in there and things to do, like to-do lists and stuff like that. It's an awesome book. For somebody, I would say is if you're in in college for it to read that one. Absolutely. So like my yeah, I want to like get our guys ready. I want to be progressive too. Like you know now, anytime you listen to talk radio or if you read an article, people are like bashing universities, saying that they're not preparing the kids, and they're right. So, but instead of just saying all right, let's don't send our kids to school. How about we take the university and actually change the program? Mm-hmm. So like. People are really looking at it ass backwards, in my opinion. You know, they're 
they're putting the cart before the horse. So don't tell your people not to go to school because I promise you this. If you don't know the basics of anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, you're going to be a terrible coach. You're not going <laughs> to figure that out on your own. Yeah. You're going to need somebody to guide you through that. Or you might think you know something and you don't, like we see all the time on the Internet. So you don't want to just not go to school, especially as a strength coach. You need to know what you're doing. And so, but we just need to add the things that's missing. So that's my goal. Yeah. What, uh, how do you, cause that you, you kind of brought something up there. You, if anybody follows Travis on Twitter, you tend to sometimes catch a lot of controversial flack. Pretty much it, it ends up being that people don't know what the hell they're talking about. And they try to comment on something like, Oh, you're going to hurt yourself. And it's like, no, yeah. you're an idiot. How do you, yeah. do, you know, how do you decide yourself to respond or not to some of that stuff? Because, Sometimes it is like, man, you're too stupid to even deserve a response. But then I, I always see that you do obviously are trying to educate you're, you're in which makes sense that you're going back and, and getting into the university system because you're always wanting to educate these people. Um, how do you kind of like, does that mentally ever get to you or, or do you just kind of just not let it at all? Sometimes, but the whole point, like, you know, here's Twitter was actually what got me thinking I should go back to school. You're right. You, you totally hit the nail on the head. A year ago, we start, I started messing around with Twitter again, and I found that it's my favorite, actually, form. I always thought it was just like a useless form of social media, and now it's become my favorite, you know, both for our business and just for me personally. I enjoy teaching. So, like, you know, you put something on there. I say I put – I purposely, too, like, it's bait for what I'm doing. So when I put oh, yeah. a 10-year-old doing snatch or clean jerk on Twitter – it's bait and I'm waiting on some fool to be like, Oh, she's going to hurt, you know, her growth plates aren't set or whatever, <laughs> something like that. Right. And then I normally, I just calmly send them a nice, you know, link to some research, explain how, you know, I understand how you think that and that used to be a big saying, but we've since found out that's not true at all. It's about movement. And so I try, and then, you know, maybe they'll try one more time. I'm trying to educate. But yeah. Then sometimes where I'm like, you know, this dude is, it doesn't matter what I say. I could literally show him, you know, that there's a hundred research articles saying yes and zero say no. And he would still be like, you're wrong. And so mm -hmm. that's the case. I normally just, you know, normally a lot of people, a lot of other people normally chime in and start crushing him. And I just kind of <laughs> let it happen like that. Right. But, um, but you know, when Mike Boyle and I debated, that was super fun because that was a great time to educate, you know, some of the top, not just, you know, dumb people like i get a lot on twitter but mm -hmm. actually you know some of the top strength coaches in the world who had a bias between you know unilateral squatting bilateral squatting right. and i like him too oh, yeah. so there was a lot to be learned during that debate and he and i kept it very cordial you know some people jumped in on my behalf and like ripped into him and so but that wasn't me i didn't do that mm -hmm. it was fun yeah, I, like, I love that debate. Going going into stuff like that, you have to have that open mind, and obviously, like you know, that there's a value in both, and, and there's people that right. that that are so one sided sometimes that they they have the blinders on, and it and it turns into just it, you make yourself look dumb if you don't think that there's more than one way to skin a cat, which there obviously is, depending on the situation. Yeah, especially when you debate somebody like Mike Boyle, yeah, who's been been around forever. Like, and then he and I did a, you know, literally a live debate, just the two of us with the moderator and everything. And like, uh, I, I think he, he thought, I mean, I went into it super prepared. I had lots of research and I'd went, I, I go overboard. So like, I actually called Stuart McGill before we did the show. I was like, what do you think? Do you have any input? And he actually gave me a quote that I could use. And so during the debate, for example, um, he, Mike Boyle uses, uses McGill as if McGill's on his side. 
And I was able to be like, well, actually, right before <laughs> the show, I called Stuart McGill, and this is what he said. And so, like, I was just super prepared. Yeah. I wasn't going to go in a debate with him. And he wasn't – I get, he's super busy, you know. Like, yeah. you know, he. I guess he just thought that some anecdotal evidence would work, but it didn't. Yeah. So. Um, so, and this is a – I love this question. Um, kind of closing in here, and I got a few others to ask you that are a little shorter answered typically. But – um. One of my favorite questions to ask anybody when I'm trying to learn something from them related to strength and conditioning, whatever it would be, right. is with what you know now, what would you do different back then? And, and you can point to any time in your career what's something that you would might know, do different with all the knowledge that you've gained up to this point now. So like something that, you know, the 20-year-old self, the 30-year-old self would, would hey, ha- do this different because I know better. I would I would definitely um, use frequency a little bit more to my advantage. Um, I, I would also like not agree on too, so many absolutes. Mm-hmm. You know, back then, Louis Louis Simmons was like the go to, and I still love him. I still use a lot of his concepts, but you know, we too many of us use whatever he said as like like that's law. And and looking back, there was there was definitely no research to back that up. It was just some conclusions he had drawn. So for example. You know, instead of you squat heavy one day, you squat fast one day and vice do the same thing with bench and maybe deadlift. But I would be a little bit more frequent in my movements. Um, I don't know that I would do the dynamic effort at all. Because even me, even when I use the dynamic effort, it turned into max effort. So, but um, I would do, I would, I would definitely, I would definitely train the way I coach now. I would right. more frequency, um, probably not as much conjugate. You know, I don't know that I would use, like I said, dynamic effort at all. I might use it as like a deload, but like um, I'm definitely not sold on, you know, sub-maximal weight, pushing it real fast. I think uh, I think you're going to do just – you're going to recruit the same fast-twitch fibers if I don't do that. So anyway. All right. Now I'm going to have to edit all that out because I don't know if I 100% agree with you, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Um. No, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of the dynamic effort method. Actually, so it's it's interesting. Like, obviously, the say you can go back and forth all day with some of this stuff. We everybody can pull up different research, and it's just going to be you know, it's awesome to hear your side of that. Um, something right. that you can implement, and I've done that with my athletes. It's funny, like, hey, there's been a period of time le- lately that I've been actually a real big fan of cluster squats lately, or, um, right. or cluster sets, excuse me. And we've been doing with our squats predominantly. We've been doing with front squats in replace of dynamic effort work at different points of the year um, right. based off of, and this is, I'm mostly talking powerlifters here. I love clusters. Uh, I, yeah. Oh, I love awesome. cluster sets. Yeah. yeah. I, I've grown to love them myself as, as mentally tough as they are, as physically tough. They're just, yeah, they, they, they don't, they'll make you strong. <laughs> I use the dynamic effort like sometimes when people like, uh, when I'm trying to increase the frequency, mm-hmm. but I don't want to break them down. So let's say if they're used to squatting twice, if I decide to start squatting them three times, it'll, probably start out as a dynamic effort right and then slowly work its way out of it um it's just in my experience i haven't noticed a ton with it you know um but then again i don't think i've ever really given it given it a chance Uh, and based on the research i've read i'm not 100 that it works but like anyway so like so i guess my experience with what i've read equal Mm -hmm. i don't do it that much but i'm not saying it doesn't i mean people you know, use it, but however, like less people used it than you think. So like you read Louis Simmons stuff, but then you get to go there and you get to know the people and you realize hardly any of them did max uh, speed speed day. Mm-hmm. Like Chuck did not 
go speed. He would just keep adding bands and chains until <laughs> he could go. Like so, so did I. Which I did the same thing. Just naturally ended up making it a max effort day. And so right. Um, and J- Jason Coker, I know for a fact he never did a speed day. You know, and you know maybe when he first got there just to appease the old man, but then you know, but then he started. He loves to go heavy. Like I actually. He started powerlifting with me in Colorado Springs, like when I was running gyms out there. So I don't know. That's another thing too. Like the very guy who brought it to the world, if truth be known, probably didn't use as much as we think. So there's that evidence too. Right. I'm with you. Um, well, let's, uh, I want to wrap this up with kind of the lightning rounds. We're closing in on an hour. Um, yeah. I always love, we did this in the first podcast I was a co-host of, and, and I know I listen to Tom Soroka's podcast and he does them, uh, like this a little bit. Uh, let me pull them up here. So, uh, kind of lightning round. First thing that pops in your head, uh, with what you got. So favorite food or restaurant? Uh, oh, that's easy. Chang Thai is a, a local restaurant here in North yeah. Carolina and where I'm at. We go there all the time. It's, it's Thai. Obviously. There you go. That was easy. Um, yeah. what about your favorite beer? I'm a big craft beer fan, so I got to ask this question. Um, man, if I tell you, it's going to be sad. Like Don, Don McCall used to give me a hard time. Uh, I, I really, it's not a craft beer. I just, I really like, uh, Blue Moon. So that's all right. No, I, I know it sucks. You like what you Guinness like, too. man. <laughs> I'll drink Guinness too, but when you worked all day and you're kind of thirsty, there's nothing better than a Blue Moon with orange. Call me soft if you want, but I like Don. <laughs> Don used to make fun of me all the time. I'm okay with it. I guess I, next time I see you, I'll have to call you soft to your face for your. Yeah, he will. <laughs> yeah, um, that, he'll, he'll laugh on the other side. So. <laughs> there's one. Uh, there's one here in Charlotte. The the bird song jalapeno pale ale. That's my if I've worked a long hot day. That's my go to. Um, I gotta not my try favorite it. Maybe beer. I can get away from Blue Moon. I don't know. That not. I'm not. A, I'm not. It's not my favorite, but it's my go-to after a long hot day of work. Like if I'm doing landscaping or something like that. But mm, um, yeah. All right. What's your favorite lift to perform? Mm. If you could pick one, uh, that's it for the rest of your life. You know, man. If I could, I really love to snatch because it's so beautiful and it's so like. Now, because most people can't snatch, it just feels really good <laughs> when you get into that, you know, when you get to the point where you can snatch and it looks it looks really nice, like nothing is more fun than that. But let's, let's say as of right now, what what is possible, I got to go with deadlift. I can deadlift like every day and it doesn't hurt me. I can literally deadlift every day the rest of my life heavy and it would not hurt me. I don't know why, but so like there's that. There so I don't go. know. I love the snatch, but deadlift is my go-to because it doesn't hurt. Okay. Doesn't hurt. That that's a that's that's a, something you got to take into consideration more times you than do, not. Yeah, at my age, you do, man. <laughs> and uh, what is last one? What is your favorite place you've traveled for competition, or the favorite competition you've ever been a part of? Mm. Oh well, mm, is it twofold? Is it? Yeah, is it's, it's a little different. Uh, I'll let you pick whatever you want. I don't. I don't care. My favorite competition ever was, uh, it wasn't because the place was so beautiful, but I, you know, there was talk about who was better, me or Ed Cohn. And so we did the Mountaineer Cup and it was a big deal that we were going head to head. And so we went head to head. It was single ply, USBF rules. Um, and it was at the Mountaineer Gaming Track in Chester, West Virginia. It's at the tip top of the panhandle of West Virginia. And that was by far because it was really cool, like the way they treated us, it was super fancy. The the the, the gaming track, the the hotel there was super nice. Mm-hmm. And ESPN was covering it, and 
you know, getting to go against my legend who I also look up to was awesome. And uh, I didn't even win. You know, like, <laughs> and it was close though. It came down to the last deadlift and, you know, he beat me, but I'm the only person ever in the history to even get close to beating him. So I'll take that. Uh, I think I'd like to believe if I'd been fully healthy, I could have beaten him, but you know, could have, should have, I did not just like no one else did. So <laughs> there you go. But that was my favorite competition. Um, but that, yeah, there's lots of places I've traveled recently. I, uh, Jamaica, which, which I didn't compete, is my, probably my favorite thing I'm doing recently. Okay. Yeah, you were there for what were you there for? Working with the sprinters, uh, it's with Stronger Experts. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a group where they take like the top you know strength coaches and lots of different disciplines like weightlifting, powerlifting, regular strength conditioning, nutrition, uh, mindset, all that stuff, and uh, yeah, and like prehab, rehab stuff. But yeah, so they took us, uh, we're supporting some of the younger up and coming sprinters there. And then we got to go over there and, um, you know, work with their top dudes and, and some of their up and coming. And it's, I love Jamaica. I love Jamaica and I love the people, the country. Um, so like I could see me living there someday. Forever, <laughs> all right. But I'll we'll have to see. put it on my list. I'll have to put it on my list of uh, places to go, but um... it's the kids, man. It's like everyone listening. You know, everyone in America who wants to be a great athlete should go somewhere like like Jamaica. Live for one year. Like, live the, like they do. Like, don't take your money. Like, if you're rich, <laughs> leave your money here. Go there and survive. Like, those athletes survive. And when you, can't, when you come back here, you would never complain. You would never worry about social media. You would put your head down and you would win. And that's why, that's why they win. Bro, they, they're like 150th the size of America. Right. And they dominate us in track and field. It's a problem. It's because they're they're so focused. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I so, mean, that there you go. That's there's your nugget for the show. Actually, uh, take yes. that one away. But um, Travis, man, this has been awesome. I've I, I've literally been sitting here smiling the entire time. I feel like a little bit dumb sitting staring at my computer smiling. Like I just lo- I love this stuff. I love getting to pick brains of, of of great athletes, great coaches. So I thank you so much. Where can people find you? What information do you want people if they listen to this to look you up, or what do you want them to find? Well, you go to massalite.com or you can go to, um, uh, Uh-oh, did I lose you? Go play. You're oh, young. hey, I lost you, you there for a minute, you Travis. You weights in college? Like, hit me up. You can email me. Um, it, it'll be as hey, of a little bit later today, travis.masslr.com. Yeah. Hey, uh, start all that over. You cut out for a complete, I heard mashelite.com and that was it. And then you just started, it was random again. Oh, no, I was saying that, um, yeah, mashelite.com is where most of everything is, but, uh, on Instagram, mashelite performance. But if there's a weightlifter out there who wants to lift, you know, in college, you know, hit me up, but it'll be travis.mashlr.edu. I think later today, but if not, email me mashleteperformance at gmail.com. I'd love to have, or if you know someone, or if you want to help support the program, there you have it. Awesome. Well, Travis, thank you for your time. Uh, Hopefully see you sooner than later at some of these competitions around, and good luck to you and your athletes coming up. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks, Justin, for having me on, man. Uh Thank you. Bye, Travis. See you, man.